Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Brian with us here today, who is an Illinois icon agent. And he is a icon agent, double diamond award recipient, number one EXP agent and units sold in Illinois in 2018. EXP University Agent, Faculty, Icon Instructor, Certified EXP Mentor, Number One International Best-Selling Author, The Half Millionaire Real Estate Agent, Cracking the Home Sellers Code. He's got 16 plus years of real estate experience, 1,000 plus closed transactions with over $120 million sold, and he's helped 628 families buy, sell, or rent since 2015. Brian, welcome and thank you so, so much for being here. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Dude, I got to ask, so 628 families buy, sell, rent. What was the most memorable one out of all those? Uh, I don't know. I do, to, it, to a certain point, to me, it, this is going to sound bad. I mean, real estate clients listen to it. It's a certain transaction. It's just, it's, it's, it's a process to go through. It's not an experience for me anymore. It's just, it's just work because mm-hmm. I've done it so much. The same things, repetition over and over and over, the same process. You know, people are all different. Every deal is different, but the basic process is the same. So I've, I've noticed over going on 17 years now, to me, it's just the, I, I don't get excited about it because it, it is really depressing a lot of times when things can't go forward with certain people too, depending on their situation, especially during the pandemic when a lot of people lost their jobs too. So I try to keep emotionally detached from it and keep it transactional. I wish I could say, hey, this was the best story in the world. And I have tons of it. I could write books on all the stories. Honestly, I think sometimes I block it out so that I can function and help the next people. It's kind Mm -hmm. of, so I'm not quite answering your question, but because I don't have one that comes to mind more than others, because every day is another adventure of this. I do it all day long. I don't just work at one deal at a time. I'm always involved at least, you know, half a dozen deals or more at any given and any day. So there's not one pivotal moment. It's kind of turned more transactional for me. And I think that's such a fascinating answer though, because I think that, I think it's such a really honest answer. And a lot of people, when they would be posed with that question, they would default with trying to come up with the rosy posy story to make it seem like it's so great. And I think one of the things that many of us, when we're really honest with ourselves, when we've been in a career field for a long time, we have this point where, do we lose that? And do we, is there an emotional detachment and does it become more of a transactional or more of a functional, you know, we do A, B, C, D to get E, F, and G. Boy, I just had a whole blank on the alphabet there. And in so doing, we end up realizing that, you know, however much time's going by and we're doing these things really well for a lot of people really well, but we may not realize the people as much because it's the only way we learn how to really preserve our energy so that we can be able to help as many people as we do. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's really what I'm trying to do is preserve my mental energy for the next challenge that comes up. And it's always a new challenge, whether it be a real estate deal or a pandemic. Okay. Or, you know, just living, you know, just trying to find, I don't know, toilet paper. I don't know why that was such a big thing, but anyways, so these are the types of challenges, but, I, as humans, we feel it just as intensely as if I'm in a real estate transaction with somebody versus, oh my gosh, we're in a global pandemic or, oh my gosh, I ran out of, ran out of toilet paper. Okay. Yeah. 
it all seems like an emergency. It's all, there's so much anxiety provoking experiences through this. So I'm, I'm a big fan of just giving the honest answer. And I don't always give the tailored answers that some people look, look for because a lot of times people are asking assumptive questions. I do it. I teach people to ask assumptive questions yeah, absolutely. and there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's a challenge for people who can't answer an assumptive question in a manner that's honest. And I, and I think a lot of people do struggle with, with honesty and I mean self-honesty. Yeah. Why do you think that is Brian? Like, why is it that? I, because I think you're so spot on with that. And it is, it's like, we, we want to hear, we'll ask questions because we want to hear a certain answer. You know, we want to hear the, the heartwarming story of the family. It was their first home. The, the, one of the people was just back from an, a war. The kid was born blind and they had this miracle development and you helped them get their very first dream home. Right. Yeah. That's the story we want to hear. That's the story we expect. Yep. And I feel like, it's really interesting. I, I've done a lot of work with folks when they're developing their stories to go in and speak to audiences or to develop about how they're going to present that. And one of the things you see people really wrestle with is this feeling of guilt around, well, my story is not as sad and depressing as someone else's, or I didn't go through the hardships that everyone else is, or I had a pretty normal upbringing. So who am I to go in and like try to like almost like if there's not a lot of drama, there's not a lot of extra emotion in it, then their story is completely invalid and not enough. And I think that that's such a refreshing thing because on one hand, we will all, we will all claim that we want and value honesty so high, but then when somebody is really in integrity with themselves and gives a real honest answer, it leaves us with this uncomfortable, ooh, ooh, wait, did I really want that honesty? Why do you think that is? Why do we do that? That's human nature. It's, it's, the, it's the culture that we live in. Okay. If you go to different cultures in different countries and different times in the world too, um, let's just take, I'll, I'll just do some generalizations. I hate doing generalizations. Um, this goes back to the cold war. This goes back to, let's say Russians. The currency is not money. Okay. And you know, the currency is trust because if you're in communist Russia at the time, it wasn't about having a fancy car, fancy pair of jeans, fancy, you know, because a lot of those things, you know, were hugely popular when the wall came down over there uh, in Berlin it, and it's trust. And I know some people that just, well, if you talk, and this is, this is here, one of Mark Manson's book that was in the, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I'm not swearing too much here. Um, in that book he talks about, he was going out with some Russian woman or something and she basically called him out on his bullshit because she valued trust. And she just said, no, okay. And I think a lot of people lie in their everyday speaking. How are you doing? Great. Are you really doing great? No, I'm just saying it. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay. But that's not how people, people remember how you feel, how they felt. They don't necessarily remember what you said. And, and that's the emotional communication with people. I think there's such a lacking of emotional communication out there. And some people are like, oh, I'm, I'm totally self-aware. Yeah, I don't know if you are. Okay. You know, I, I'm aware enough to know that I'm in pain a lot of times, you know, physical or emotional pain. Most people don't want to hear, hey, Brian, how you doing? No, you don't really want to hear it. Okay. Not saying to you, Jesse, just say in general. Yeah. Honesty is tough for people because people don't want that feedback. They don't want to know that they're not perfect. They've, they've, and a lot of people have grown up to believe that, you know, if they're not perfect, you know, don't share it with anybody else. It's just, a, it's a culture. And I think 
we ought to change the culture to be more upfront and honest and, and also say, this is not how the whole world is. This is just my opinion, period. You know, all of America believes this. No, no, this is how, this is how Brian Ernst feels about the subject. That's it. Okay. And take it as that. And then I don't speak for the whole world either. I don't speak for all men. I don't speak for all Americans. I don't speak for all people in Illinois. Okay. Um, I speak for Brian. That's who I can speak for. And so many people can't use an I statement in that way of saying, this is how I feel. They have to make it a bigger, grander sense than themselves, but that's cultural. That's TV. That's the internet. That's and right now with the internet, it can tell you exactly what you want to hear. You have that voice thing on. I mean, it's amazing what shows up in advertisements of what you talk about. So nowadays more than ever, I think trust is so crucial because there's such a lack of it out there because you can hear anything you want. You want to hear conspiracy theory? It's out there. And it's not like we're all watching the same TV station. We're not. We're not growing up on the same shows anymore. We're not growing up in the same culture. And I think we need to respect each other's opinions. We don't have to agree with them. If I was in your shoes, I'd probably feel the same way. I'm not saying I agree with anything. I'm saying if I knew what you knew, I'd probably feel the same way, more or less. I don't know. And understanding that is very hard to do. And I, I took an assessment that I, I think I shared with you about. And I don't know where that came from. Did it come from you originally? I don't remember. Because uh, Joanna Blackstock you know, sent it to me. And it said one of my top uh, personality traits, character traits, strengths, were, was perspective. And when, I think when people can see things from a different perspective, I think they can, they can sympathize and empathize more with people and understanding versus getting combative and defensive. I mean, that comes up in politics on a regular basis, not getting into politics, but just general conversations, going back to being honest. And there's so much dishonesty out there, blatant dishonesty. It, it's, you know, narcissistic. It's, you know, it, it's crazy. And I think that's been more the culture here lately. So people want to hear it in a certain TV format or whatever it is versus, yeah, this is how I'm feeling. I kind of yeah. feel like crap today because of this. Now, I'm not complaining because I have a solution to it. If I just start out with a complaint, that's one thing. But this is what I'm going to do about it today. And that just, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. And this is what I'm going to do about it. Or I need some help with this. And most people are too proud to ask for that help. And me included at times. I'm not always prepared to ask for help. So honesty is very difficult because it shows weakness and people don't want to show weakness. And here I'll generalize again. You see a lot of men showing the feelings of happy or anger. I mean, you don't see a lot of men cracking out a tear on a regular basis. You don't see them showing shame or guilt. I see them see, I see them doing it. I just, I can just see through the emotions. But a lot of people don't see that because happy is a strong emotion. Anger is a, it's a feeling of power. It's, it's strong. But if you feel sad, you don't really feel strong. And most people, a lot of men were raised to feel strong. And even when I was raised, it wasn't taught to me, but a lot of my friends were, is boys don't cry. Okay. Yeah. And if you're, yeah. you're weak, if you cry. And I learned just the opposite as an adult saying, if, you're, if you can cry and you, can, you, you understand your emotions and you can release them too, in, in a, in a, in a non-aggressive or violent way, okay, that's pretty impressive because most people hold it in until it comes out in the side effects of things in life. So I think it's really important to acknowledge your emotions, but understand what they are 
understand where they come from. Not literally a textbook definition of happy. No, I had this feeling when I was four years old, I was, or five years old, I was going to Montessori school, preschool. My father was driving me, okay? And we used to stop at Dunkin' Donuts, all right? And I get a pink frosting, it was strawberry frosted, but I didn't know it was strawberry, pink frosting donut. And I, to this day, remember that feeling. So if I'm feeling bad about myself, one of my coping mechanisms, yeah, food, sure, why not? It's a pink frosted donut from Dunkin' Donuts. They still taste like chemicals to me, but it's recreating that feeling. And that's what I think so many people are doing. And the honesty part goes back to their childhood too. It's almost like, <clears throat> sorry, it's almost like that this concept of honesty that we have is really, it's almost a fabrication of lies, right? And our most basic interaction, where most of our basic interactions, they're built on this concept of the, the grocery store exchange, how are you doing today? And what we all say we're good or great, but we're not good or great. And if we recognize someone is saying it and they're not good or great, we don't inquire about it. We just allow that lie to exist and we carry on. You know, the, the masculine feminine dynamics and relationships that we've all joked about, you know, men will say when there's something wrong with men, women ask, how are you doing? Or the feminine ask, how are you doing? They want to be nurtured. They want the question to be asked. We say fine, even though we're not, we want to be left alone. We reverse it women will say I'm fine, even though they want to be asked more. So there's these constant dynamics where there's these macro lies or these little micro lies that are being told over and over again that we're moonlighting as a truth. And so then when we have something that comes up that we will finally draw that line of what we define as honest or not honest, it's like this blow up. But really we've been living this lie the whole time. So is it become something where, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer that we will, we externally project what we internally reflect. So does the dishonesty in another impact us so severely because we realize we've been living so long and being dishonest with ourselves? Well, that's part of it. And this, is, this goes down to not just honesty, this goes to your value system and what you define is honesty. And I have had the pleasure and displeasure of hanging out with quite a few people over the past, let's just say five years that have redefined my definitions too. It redefines my value system that, yeah, I'm okay. I'm being dishonest on this subject, you know, micro lies. Okay. Because somebody else needs it or the, the, the blowback of it, it, you know, being truly blunt, open and honest because there's a difference between open and honest too. Okay. Honesty is one thing. Did you do this? Yes or no. Versus how are you doing? You don't necessarily have to, dump all your dirty laundry out in the same time. So it's, I think it comes down to your value system. And that's what I found more too, that are people in values alignment with you or not? Okay. And when you're talking about how you, I'm fine. Okay. Okay. We clearly know you're not fine. It was a little as 7% of communication is actual words. It's the inflection, the tonality, eye contact, body language. Well, you know, there's a different language going on. And that's the language is, yeah, I'm fine. Okay, so you want me to ask you more questions or you want me to show that I care. And, you know, I don't know if I have the time for this right now. You know, you're not act, outright asking me for help. Yeah, I kind of get that you need something, but you're not asking for it. Well, am I being dishonest on my response? Do I have to contribute to everybody who's messed up out there? 
in their heads. It, at what point do I have to take responsibility for somebody else's value system? And if I don't respect it in the way they want to be, how, how long do I have to participate in these other micro lives? Okay. At what level do I have to participate? Because at a certain point, I'm like, I choose not to participate. And then, then, I'm, an, then I'm, an, an, I'm an asshole or I'm a cold or I'm, you know, not friendly. It's like, no, I'm just choosing not to participate in your value system. That's all. Doesn't mean I don't like you or not like you. Just means I'm not choosing to participate in this. And most people don't see it that way because they haven't gotten that deep into it. Mm. But I, I know what I'm projecting. A lot of times I, give me, give, me, give me some time, I'll know what I'm projecting onto somebody else. You know, I can, yep, I'm projecting this situation that happened at this time onto this person. I can own that, you know, maybe it's about 50%, you know, I'm projecting on it. I don't know the exact percentages, but I know the emotion that I'm projecting a lot of times on other people or that my emotional stress glass, like here you go, bottle of water, it's half full. Okay. You pour some more water in it, you can still handle it. But if we go a little bit bigger here, you have a full bottle and you want to put some water in it. And this is the water represents your stress you're overflowing. Yeah. So the least little thing can trigger people emotionally because their basic needs haven't been met. And I think that's something that's so crucial in everyday life is covering the basic needs. Have you eaten enough? Have you slept enough? Um, have you had enough liquids? Okay. If you're on medications, do you understand what you're on, how you're on the side effects of those things? Just real basic things that most people, I don't know that they take that much time and attention to, and it throws them off into basic conversations because they feel a certain way. Well, let's understand why we feel that way. And then it turns into lies. And it just pressure Sorry, there's some dogs in the background. I don't know if you can hear them. That's okay. That's all right. There's always dogs. I, I got a dog right, I've got a dog right here. He's 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 dying for he is dying for attention. He he hasn't gotten out yet today. So he's uh, oh, there you go. Buddy. Oh, what's his name? Oh you ready for this? Yes. His name is Chalupa Batman. Chalupa? Chalupa Batman. Uh, everybody wanted me to name the dog. Okay. I call him the dog. Okay. That's, that's all I call him. He's just a dog. Okay. I have one dog. He's the dog. But everybody wanted me to pick a name. So I came up with the most ridiculous name I could think of. Chalupa. You know, the fried taco from Taco Bell. And Batman, like, you know, Batman. Because anytime somebody's calling, like the vet, we're calling to confirm our appointment for Chalupa Batman. That is the funniest thing that I hear, okay? And my team gets my voicemail messages, so they hear it, and some of them laugh at it too when they hear that. He responds to whatever. He responds to food. He's a Velcro dog. He's attached to you. So it's not like I need to call him anything because he's right there. And if you have food, mm -hmm. he'll be right next to you the whole time. So anyways, that's my dog. I, 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 I just call him the dog. I actually don't really call him much of anything because you just give him a command. You tell him to come, sit, stay, lay down, roll over. He does the basic stuff. So, how much do you think, Brian? This is kind of a random question, but Chalupa Batman is inspiring it. How much do you think we we lose or gain because we have so much tied into our identity? Because looking at this kind of concept of really like honesty, dishonesty, lies, and truth. So much of that is encapsulated into who we see ourselves as. We want to see ourselves as good, trustworthy, honest people, right? So we will tell these little micro white lies over and over and over again to perpetuate that image. And then we have so much of that image almost, <clears throat> you know, it's like, what is it? 
expression. It's the tangled web that gets more and more tangled. Yeah. And you don't even know what reality is at a certain Yeah, time. we don't know what reality right. is. But then if you look at like a Chalupa Batman, there is no other getting caught up with all that nonsense. He's going to just, he's going to respond to the most basic stuff, food, love, attention, presence. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be a freedom of judgment. So if you're having a rough day, if you're bummed out, you're frustrated, all those things, he holds that space for you to just be you. And I wonder like how much of us are we like, we're robbing ourselves of being really more Chalupa Batman light or dogs, animals in general, because we're unwilling to do that because we're so focused on perpetuating this lie of who we see, how we perceive ourselves. Oh, absolutely. That's just the, the, the whole factor of naming a dog is a value system. Mm. Uh, yes, the dog trainer said, name your dog so that he can respond to it. Well, I just call him dog. He does respond to dog. Okay. Um, but it's a value system we have. And some other people have turned their dogs into their children. And it's not a child. And a dog is, is sensing different. Look, how he can smell how many times better than humans. Okay. The taste, the things that, that the senses that the dog has doesn't have the vision of a human. Okay. The auditory senses. Okay. If I crinkle this little thing here, he loves this. But what does it sound like? It sounds like to me, if you think about it, if, you, if I have headsets on, I usually can hear it. It sounds like, you know, um, branches breaking in the woods, somebody coming through the woods. And the dog is sensitive to that. I don't know if that's the exact reason, but they have different instincts. They have different senses. And if I had the senses that I have as a dog, I mean, we're, we're putting human emotions onto dogs. Mm. We, we don't know what dog emotions are. We can see what the reactions are, if they're agitated, if they're you know, submissive, they're passive, if they're aggressive. I mean, those we can see outward expressions, but inside we don't know what they're really feeling. And when I feed my dog at night, he, sometimes the, 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 I, the raw diet, it's a beef patty, essentially. He goes wild. Why? Because it's usually in the refrigerator. So it's a cold beef patty that he just sucked down. It's like a wind up toy. Of course, he's gonna be running around. He's just got all kinds of, you know, the whole People don't recognize that on their own bodies, that they eat certain things and then they feel a certain way. We're, we're feelings-based. Everything we do are feelings-based, but people don't recognize it. No, 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 I control my emotions. Yeah, we're all feelings-based. Content is an emotion, okay? Most people don't recognize the ups and the downs. Dogs, they're emotional. We just don't fully understand. Well, I don't fully understand my dog's emotions at times, but I can tell when he, when he wants something, doesn't want something. The dog, yeah, wants some basic things he wants to be, he wants to be warm and he wants to be dry. Those are the two basic things he wants. Okay. Obviously he wants to eat. Obviously he wants to go out, you know, go to the bathroom, those types of things. But those are some real basic things where, Oh my gosh, your dog loves me so much. Uh, you're letting him lay all over you. You're warm. He kind of likes that. Okay. But people don't like to hear that. Oh my gosh. You know, and that is a truth, but it's also perspective. It's not exactly correct because I can't tap in the dog and say, Hey, are you laying on top of this person? Cause they're warm. Okay. We don't know. We deal with a lot of inconsistencies, which were, we mistake facts and judgments and judgments, just an opinion. Okay. We can both see the same situation and have a different opinion based off the exact same facts. And we may see the facts differently based off of our experiences. And we're just the sum total of our experiences in life and we are emotional beings. And I think it's, I think most people should be on a quest to learn more about that versus, well, 
I don't know. I'm kind of a hypocrite. I'm just riding the emotions sometimes. So when you, when you're looking to make a perspective shift, Brian, do you, do you rely solely on a perceptual shift or will you actually go to making an environmental shift to give yourself that, you know, maybe a forced 10,000 foot perspective? I think, it, I think it has to come down to both. But I mean, some situations I'll just use a perspective shift on, okay? And, and it will clear my mind. It will, it will relieve anxiety and stress if I just change my perspective on something. And that it usually helps if, I, if it's facts-based, factually based. But then again, facts change too. The facts of years ago are not the same facts of today. Um, we have new information. And to really get outside your environment is to really feel it and to see who you really are as a person in your own value system. And, and I did this recently myself because I, 17 years of selling, 17 years of selling real estate, um, I've only left for one week is the most I've ever left Aurora, Illinois. That's it. One week. I've always been there to, to handle my business. And I've actually been in Las Vegas for the past four months. So talk about different perspectives that I've had. Um, and I, I, I don't know that many people out here and we're in the middle of a pandemic too. So I haven't met a ton of people. Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of real estate agents because that's what I mainly deal with. And I do coaching and training for real estate agents and I run a real estate business in Illinois and I still run it virtually because that's where we're doing more than ever virtually. It's a perfect opportunity to test those things. The perspectives that I have seen, uh, I don't recommend it for everybody because it's not easy. It's painful personally. Mm -hmm professionally, financially, it's very painful for the stuff that I've seen and that I've gone through over the past four months. Now I've had some great successes with it too, that I never would have achieved had I not had to deal with the pain too. It kind of comes hand in hand. I, I, for years, for decades, for going back to my mid twenties, I, I wanted to get out of Illinois. Why? I don't know. Wasn't that exciting. It wasn't, anything in particularly fun for me. And I didn't, I was, I was like 17 years ago, I was thinking about moving to Vegas because I figured I could ride my motorcycle. I could have a house with a pool. I could do this, you know, I could get a job here. And uh, a lot of people were not thrilled with my idea of leaving. Well, I created an opportunity and a situation that basically rationalized why I was going to leave Illinois mm. instead of just being honest. Now, was I dishonest in this? No. My rationalizations, my, the, the situation that brought me out here was all legitimate. I just created it. Is that manipulative? It's my life. Sure, I'm manipulating myself. So this is, the, this is the hard part of this. We say, yeah, change your life. Get outside your comfort zone. Just go do it. Okay, well, there's going to be fallout. There's going to be feedback. There's going to be you know, pushback on these things. And are you prepared for that? Are these the problems you want to have? And that's what I think most people don't look at is, yep, I want to be emotionally aware. I want to know these things. I want to grow as a person. But are you also prepared with the problems that come along with it? Most people are not looking at that. Now, yep, I'm a negative Nelly. I'm going to tell you that right now. I look at the negative side of things. Why? Because I try to find the positives in the negatives. It's one of my strengths. It's one of my weaknesses. That's why I do coaching and training. Every problem to me, there's a solution within it. Or you just call it a challenge. Yeah, I'm just going to call it what it is. It's a problem at the moment. You know, it's semantics. It's a challenge. 
Okay. Yeah. Does that shift some people's minds by changing those two words? Sure. But I do think once you get outside your comfort zone, far enough outside and stay out there long enough, it becomes your new comfort zone. It's very intriguing. And I think as a person, if you really want to know what your values are, go move somewhere else <laughs> because it's, it's fascinating because in Vegas, I, I don't know how to put this. I'm pretty hot shit <laughs> for a 42 year old. Okay. In rural Illinois, nobody really cares. Okay. I mean, it, cookie cutter houses and I, and I, and I, and it's where my business has been for 17 years. And if anybody's watching this, who I, you know, sell houses and that kind of stuff, I'm really good at it because I've done it for so long. That's why it's so transactional for me. I've done so many of it to save people from the headaches, from the problems coming out to Vegas, it's nobody knows me. There's no image out here of me. It's starting fresh. And I think so many people need that fresh start, not to just start, but just go back to what you had before, but mm -hmm. understand what your values are, really what your values are. And I think it, it, there's a lot of different organizations that help and support on this too. And you can go for a week's training or a five-day training or four-day, whatever it is, but you have to stay with it. Like each week you have to reconnect with that person that you really are because I think so many people adapt to their situations or the people they're around and that's not necessarily who they are. Now it is for some people. Some people are total chameleons. Okay. But not everybody. I'd encourage everybody at least once in their life to do something so far outside their comfort zone, you know, to experience life. We only live once that I'm aware of unless you have more information that I don't know about the subject, but I'm only aware that we live once you know, if you're going to go out, go out with a, without, go, go out with a bang, go out big, yeah. go big on things. But big doesn't necessarily mean expensive. Big doesn't necessarily mean famous. Big means what it means for you because we all have different definitions. And that's what I find every day. Somebody has a different definition on communication. And do you really want to know what this person is saying to you? Or do you want to say, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry for you to hear that you're going through that and move on. And that's the thing. Who do you have in your life? The Jim Rohn quote to the average of the five people you spend the most time with, change those five people, see what your life looks like. It's not an easy task. It's a really rough journey, but it's really incredibly uh, awe-inspiring and eye-opening. And it, it really tests who you are as a person. And that part has been fascinating to me of all the challenges I've gone through in the past four months, just being out of town. I haven't gone back once. Okay. I came with two suitcases. Okay. That's what I came out here with two suitcases, ship my dog out, ship, 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 a car out here, those types of things, everything else I pretty much bought or had sent out here. And it's a journey in honesty. I think the self honesty is the hardest thing for people to do in this world to just be honest with themselves because I struggle I can speak for myself, struggle to be honest with myself on certain subjects because I don't want to know the truth. Okay. There's some subjects I just don't want to know about. It could be personal health. It could be because that comes up with, I see that a lot of people that are not addressing health issues and they, they don't want to do it. Does that come up for me? I think so. And minor things. Yeah. I'm just going to ignore that. I can, I can, I can power through that. You know? Yep. I got shoulder pain. Yeah. Do I have something torn in there? I don't know. I really don't want to find out right now. So Where's the honesty there? It's a balance. What do you value more than, than other things? 
I think that's what this comes down to. And I think at the end of the day, finding people who are in alignment with your values, which is hard to do because I don't think most people can identify what their values truly are. But when you get push comes to shove in a life situation, you find out what people are really made of, including yourself. That's my perspective. Ryan, this has been absolutely fascinating. And we only have time for one more question. You're making the move. I think it's, it's, it's quite incredible that over 17 years, you never left more than a week. And then you go from a week to four plus months now. And looking at it as an exploration of values, and I did not expect you to answer that way. I'm curious, have you noticed in making this move and kind of taking away that safety net of familiarity that many of us will cling to throughout life, have you felt that it's been a value magnifier? Has it, has it reordered your values in any way? Has it, has it altered your relationship with your values or has it enhanced it? I'm really curious about that is, is what has, if there is even anything that has become consciously aware for you during this time regarding your values that maybe it was a surprise or something you didn't expect? They just, the values that I've seen have come more into focus than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, they were there before the environment has changed. I mean, it, 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 if you were raised all your life living in Alaska and then moved to Hawaii, I mean, just your wardrobe would probably change. Okay. Yeah. But some, some things, something simple as what you wear during the day is very difficult for people because it represents who, what they value. Okay. It's, it, I'm just picking one of many topics on values and it, and I, I use that as an example too. I don't advertise stuff all over my shirts and stuff like that because I don't want to offend anybody. You know, one, I could wear one thing that could offend somebody and not offend another person. And I'm not looking to have a conversation. So I don't put a question on my shirt with, you know, just walking around there. There's so much stuff that's out there that that's a simple, simple subject, but I can make a simple subject very, very complex. But I think it's, it's magnified things more than ever. It's totally magnifying things for me. And it's challenged my value system saying, do I really want to have this value? Do I value this over this? Maybe I don't. Maybe I value this over this because I've never been in that situation before. And I don't have the normal things set up in my life that were before in Illinois. So that takes more time and effort to figure out too. Mm. This is is just a life challenge that uh, it's interesting. It really is. It's fascinating. The journey. Um, I don't, I don't recommend it to everybody. Okay. It's something you have to want. And, you know, my alternatives to, to what I'm doing right now were not particularly attractive to me. So I was willing to take the risk. Mm. I think sometimes it has to get to that point for some people because some people need, you know, a gentle word of encouragement, a pat on the back, maybe a gentle push in the right direction. Maybe some people need a swift kick in the ass and then there's those people that need a gun to the head before they change. Now, metaphorical gun to the head. I'm not trying to advocate violence here. I think I'm one of those people. I need that metaphorical gun to the head to make a change because I have the values that I have. And if it's going to change, 
it needs to be a really good reason why it was going to change. And I am challenging it every single day. Every day I'm challenging my own value system. Brian, this has been fascinating and incredible. Everyone, you're going to want to rewatch and re-listen. There was a really, I think, an amazing discussion here on what the very understanding of trust is and, and the lies that we tell ourselves in our life and how that intersects with our greater value system. Now, as Brian was talking there at the end and, and highlighting how the move to Las Vegas after living in his town for the last 17 years, never leaving more than a week, has really highlighted and almost enhanced his values. It got me to think that for so many of us, when we put a value like trust at such a high value, but at the very nature of it, we live out of alignment with it each and every day. You know, and it's not in these big things. We're not necessarily going out and committing a bank robbery and saying it, but we're doing the little micro white lies over and over again. Whether it's we show up and we say that we're good when we're really not, which I do it on a regular basis. When we... <clears throat> when we're struggling with something, when we're okay and we're not, whether it's, you know, we feel frustrated about a certain thing. You know, as Brian was talking a couple of times, I don't know if you all could hear the dogs barking in the background. I wanted to just excuse it and not even pretend like it was bothering me, but I thought, you know, Brian's doing this wonderful talk about saying and being honest, and it would be, it's completely out of integrity with me to say, pretend like it wasn't there. And it was when I said, I apologize for the dogs in the background. It was really interesting to observe my experience in the context of this conversation. I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed. I felt like I just did something wrong. I felt like it damaged the credibility of this, that I was, I was, I was disvaluing Brian's time. That I was disvaluing you who are watching and listening's time. And it's a fascinating thing that we have all that stuff going up and wrapped up into these little micro lies. And Brian, it didn't bother him. And in fact, it just made it, a segment where he brought up his dog and we learned all about Cholula Batman and the, the context of the name. So it's something to really consider for yourself is look at, you know, to get yourself out of your comfort zone and you may not be in a place where you're ready to pick up and take it to the extreme of moving four months to Las Vegas. And if you are, maybe you are and go ahead and carpe diem and do that. But if you're not, perhaps start with just speaking your truth when it seems uncomfortable when you feel yourself getting ready to say good when you're not, when you feel like you're ready to say that everything's okay when it's not in that moment. And it doesn't mean, I like that he made that distinction between complaining and not complaining. To just talk about what's going on is not complaining because there's solutions out that are available, but we're still being authentic and honoring our feelings. Complaining is just when we recognize there's other alternatives and we're just not willing to take action on it. Coming back to that notion of values, what a wonderful opportunity for you to look at yourself and the values that you share personally and professionally. Is your company's values in alignment with your personal ones and vice versa? And if not, where's the opportunity for you to grow there? Where's the opportunity for you to evolve? Where's the opportunity for you to get really raw and honest with yourself? And in so doing, you just might find a greater scope of humanity and find a much more rewarding and enriching life and business in the process of that. Brian, this has been absolutely incredible, man. Thank you so, so much for this, this just brilliant conversation. You and I were talking a little bit beforehand. We weren't quite sure where we were going to go, and I love that it, it went this way. It, it, was, it was really, really incredible. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse, for having me. I appreciate this. If I can ever do anything to help you, or if you want to do this again, I'm, I'm happy to participate in these types of things and, and help if I can. And 
it's one of the things that helps me get through the day if I can help somebody else. It doesn't mean I'm making any money. I mean, I do this for a living, but sometimes I need to just get through the day too. And when I can help somebody else, it just helps me to deal with my own stuff. And that's how I cope with it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my way of giving back. Um, I don't necessarily do charity work, but that is charity work in a sense in a whole different way, just a whole different dynamic of that. So happy to help if I can. Thanks, Jesse. Likewise. We'll see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to